0: Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to legacynb.com. Now enjoy this message from our special guest. This honor of, of being able to connect over these years. And, and a lot of times it showed up us going in fact we'll be there this week in Mineral Wells. Dudley Hall has this beautiful, gorgeous ranch that we're gonna be up uh, Wednesday through Saturday hanging out, just talking, talking the kingdom, but then just talking to each other and I've spent hours around a fire pit talking to Alan, listening to Alan. Uh, Alan is one of the most brilliant uh, people I've met who understands the kingdom and uh, the ability to articulate. Um, When we were in uh, uh, Pennsylvania earlier this last summer, uh, one of our brothers, uh, Brian Higby's place for a gathering, and uh, Alan taught about uh, communion and covenant, and it was just like that's, you've got to be able to release that. Um, in our place. And that was an opportunity I got to meet Gail. I told Alan he grew on me over the years, but I instantly fell in love with Gail. And, uh, and so, <laughs> and so uh, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. I was glad we were able to do dinner last night and uh, connect with Kelly. And uh, my wife Kelly's actually driving her oldest back to ORU right now. Uh, so they're almost in Tulsa right now. Uh, they're probably listening. But I just want to tell you right now, it's important in the kingdom to have relationships. That are that go generations and be able to tell the stories and to be able to grow and, and, and the Lord is raising up fivefold pastors and teachers and and that's exactly the anointing that uh, Alan carries. He's uh, he's a doctor. He, he um, teaches with Global Awakening, Randy Clark, and he he may share some of that stuff. He's been doing that for a number of years. Works with their doctoral uh, students uh, through Global Awakening Seminary. Um, in fact, tomorrow night he'll be uh, actually. St- teaching a class at Global School for Supernatural Ministry from from my house. It's gonna be really cool. So I'm gonna be like a fly on the wall watching the Cowboys downstairs and then going upstairs and, and listening listening to that too. So uh, but you're in for a treat. And so I want y'all just stand up and just give a warm welcome to Alan and Gail as they come.
1: Good morning. I just thought it would be a good thing for you to meet me. I'm only here this weekend, so I'm glad that I was able to join Alan. Just so you know a little bit about who we are, uh, Alan and I, Alan's been in ministry, senior pastor for 40, 45 years. I joined him about 20 years ago. There. So. But the important thing that I feel like the Lord wants you to know this morning is we operated as pastors, but for me, that looked like being, simply being a mother and a father. I believe that God set us up as a family. And that in that family, He set mothers and fathers over households. And that's how He's going to operate to win the world. So... The message for you this morning is, so when Alan teaches, some people find him a little gruff around the edges. But in his heart, I'm telling you, this is true. He's a father. Once you get past the veneer outside, he's really just a big old soft teddy bear. We've been married, be 49 years next May. And it's this man that loved me so well that it changed my life. So, what I want you to know, Romans says, and I know I'm taking this out of context here, I don't care. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And I'm telling you, for the... Longing of orphan children, sometimes men and women, they can be grown, are longing for someone to parent them. So I don't care if you have your own children, if you have a family, if you're single, if you're married, the world is longing for you to get whole and healed, and that's why you need to do the marriage conference. That's why you need to go through inner healing so that you can be the mother and the father that those people need. So when we were pastoring the church that we started and were there for over 20 years, the church called me Mama Gail. I didn't really, I I had all these hang ups about I can't be a pastor because I don't have the education. And I had an encounter with the Lord one day, and He said, All I need for you to do is to be a mother. And it was like a light went on. And I said, Oh, I can do that. (laughs) I knew how to do that. But I needed to be a whole, healed, healthy mother. So now the Lord is launching us out beyond our former church into a greater spectrum and what we're going to do is travel together and be a mother and a father so lord i thank you for this place this body of faith people who will rise and are rising to the occasion god to take your mandate set a table and be mothers and fathers and bring healing to the wounded in this region and beyond. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen.
2: Amen. So it's just like it's just like both of them said, I'm acquired I'm an acquired taste. But but you instantly fall in love with her. Uh, <laughs> come on man. <laughs> I, I actually have been in love with her since she was 14 years old. And when she was 16, she told me we were getting married. And, and when she was 18, we did get married. I, there was a, there's a wonderful poem called Marriage at an Early Urge. And that's the way that worked out. And uh, so I'm going to talk to you a lot about family and and how family works, but it's all about the covenant. So so catch hold of this. Get this. Deeply get this inside yourself. Covenant is not a subject that's in the Bible. Covenant is the culture of the Bible. It's it's literally uh, like fish don't know they're in water. Water is their world. Covenant is the world of biblical understanding. Now, let me make it easier for you. Covenant is how families are made. And anyone who's in covenant is in a family. All right? So I'm going to read a text that you don't have, and then I'm going to try to talk less than you need. But no... (laughs) No preacher achieves that. (laughs) Um, The Old Covenant, the Old Covenant text is filled with references to covenant. It's a mistake to think that if the word covenant is not present in the text you're reading, that it's not about covenant. That's a mistake. In fact, in in the New Covenant corpus... The word is only used, hmm, wow, like 16 times or something. Uh, or maybe it's 26 with 16 of them in the in the book of Hebrews. And uh, and then the and then the Gospels, you only find it four times and not in the Gospel of John, but the Gospel of John is more covenantal or is it equally covenantal to all of them. I'll explain that. Um, By the way, you're going to drink through a fire hose today? So so just deal with it. And I'll tell you like I used to tell my church, if you get sleepy, just lay down and go to sleep. It won't offend me and you'll still get some. You will still receive. So I'm going to read to you from uh, the inauguration of the new covenant, which is in Luke 22. And he said to them in verse 15, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Luke 22, that's 15. And then in verse 19, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, and I intentionally put this verse in in what I'm going to give you, but behold, the hand of him who betrays me is at the table. All right, introductory remarks. Family is where you get hurt more than any other place in the world. And you need it. Because hurt is training in righteousness. And hurt is imitation of Jesus. And if you exit every place where you get hurt, you're going home faster than you intended. You will have to leave this world. So all over the world there are people that are wounded with church hurts. My number one word is, this is where the gruffness comes in, y'all got to grow up. My, my number two thing is, where you get hurt is where you love the most. My son used to say there's only two people in the world that could hurt him. And he named family members. He said, no one else can really hurt me. Now, that isn't true, but it, but it is true that you, you get... So, so get hold of this. I'm, I'm like, get this in deep inside yourself. You get hurt when you're in the family. Now, how do you remedy that? You stay at the family table. The family table is where family pain is healed. And so today... We're going to share the family table. As I I unpack this text, these texts, and the scriptures before you, this is the family gathering. Listen, when people start saying they're unchurched Christians, I'm like, first of all, it's an oxymoron. And second of all, come back to the table. Because the table is where the family is formed. The people you eat with are your family. Boy, did I have a privilege last night. I sat down with your elders and ate. We made covenant before we gathered in the larger family gathering so that I'm already in the family. My favorite moment was when somebody said, well, you all just have to stay here. Because that's what happens at the table." You come to the table, you hear one another's story, and you come to love one another. Christianity exists in a family, and the family of the faith exists in the context of the family table. If there's anything that, that will help us in this hour in the, in the Christian family, it's the restoration of the Christian family table. Many prophets, many people are saying a fresh move of God is coming and it's going to come through the Lord's Supper. I had not heard that from prophets until I left my pastor at my local church and when I left my pastor I started going to churches. And I'm going to tell you what my experience was when I started going to churches. I would leave and say, why do people go there? I mean, for me, it was so painful. By the way, not so here. (laughs) Unless you get a complex. In fact, I walked around here and breathed the air and walked down to the front and started crying and told my wife, this is like our family back home. Honestly, I'll be honest with you, this is the most um, kinship I've felt in a in a church in terms of your corporate gathering anywhere I've been in the last 18 months since my wife and I turned our turned our family over to a a new father and mother to to lead the next generation and so thank you for that but I really want you to get what I'm trying to give you this morning you're a family so expect to be hurt expect to be um uh, formed and expect to be renewed day by day. why do you eat food because you cannot live without the renewal of food. What do we have in the Bible? we have a book that begins with food we have a we have a a book that ends with a marriage feast. <laughs> now catch this. This is very important. In the book of Genesis, the alienation that came from the original family that God put a family in His garden. He said, you're going to tend, tend my garden. And they listened to the voice of a stranger, which means they ate. Because when you you receive the food from liars, you're eating with liars. And then they partook the food, and the Bible says their eyes were opened. And they knew they were naked. And they immediately hid from God. And and listen. The the problem with sin is not that God can't look on you. It's you can't look on Him. You'll hide yourself from Him. And, And see, God had provided for them food. And they ate the wrong food. They ate from the wrong table. I tell anybody... You show me anybody's life, and all I need to know is who they're listening to, and I know what they're becoming, because you see the. the uh, I'm going to slip into a message about prophecy, and I'm not. I don't want to do that, but 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 prophecy is from page one in the Bible to the end. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy at the end of the Bible, and and the uh, and the word of God, um. You have to understand, Adam and Eve didn't break the law of God in Genesis 3. They departed from the voice of God. They, you get this? They didn't break the contract. They broke the relationship. Alright? So this is everything. So, so again, we're back to family. Now, it's really hard for us to see this little ceremony we call Communion which I now prefer to call Eucharist with the historic church. The thanksgiving, because you're receiving. Um, The blessing, because you're receiving. Um, It's really hard for us to get this. And the Protestant church has understood food as word more than food as divine presence mediated through the table. But the historic church has always understood that the divine presence of God was there to be mediated to us by the Holy Spirit through the meal. And that when we do the meal, we are proclaiming Christ. And when we proclaim Christ, faith comes. And when faith comes, that food nourishes us. The goal for you is for you to go out this day filled knowing that you will eat again. All right. Now, having said all that, I'll ask you a question that I always like to ask when I'm teaching on the covenant. What time is it? Because whenever I go through the covenant, I do a thing on the covenant. I go through the whole Bible. And I, would, used to, I used to begin each session with, do you know what time it is? What I'm about to give you, I never preached in all those years. It wasn't until I got out of my pastorate and I found myself in pain because of what I was experiencing in church. And I went to seek God and say, what's wrong with us in the church that the Lord brought to me a fresh understanding of His table? that's what I preached. And ever since I started preaching that, people started calling me and saying, can you come here and preach this? Because what I'm going to give you is true food. So I want to talk to you about the hour. What time is. I want to talk to you about the hour. It's a a phrase in John's gospel. John is keenly aware of it. And John develops a lot of his message uh, in, in his gospel about what time it is, and about the hour. Now, you all know, because Jesus would always say, that, you know, the Bible would say the hour hadn't come yet. Two verses on that John 7, they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. And then John 8, they said to him, therefore, Where's your father? He answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke to them in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Now immediately from those two verses, you immediately go, well, I know what the hour is. Really? You do know, but have you mind the implications of it? That's what we'll do for a few minutes. And then we will eat the family meal. And then we'll go eat the domestic meal. (laughs) Actually, actually what I'm telling people now is that there is the common table or the domestic table and the sacred table. And both of them are about covenant. Last night we had the the domestic table, the common meal as, as elders together. And we spoke of the things of God. And oh, how we loved one another. That's what your family table is designed to be. The place where the family love is manifested. In my family, we developed some traditions. Just little traditions. And one of them is called high-low. You go around the table and everybody does their high for the day and everybody does their low for the day. When you do that with children, and then you go to the table and you don't do that, the children are offended because you've broken the family liturgy. And the children will be the ones to say, we're going to do high-low now. Um, It's a place where everyone gets heard. Everyone gets heard. Everyone gets received. And the bonds of family grow. Did you know that when uh, there was a study, this is years ago, and I things changed, so maybe they have changed. But when they they tried to determine what was the what was the number one indicator of whether uh, children, when they became teenagers, rebelled from the family structure, the number one indicator was the family table. Families who guarded the family table had. Less rebellion in their teenagers, had less addiction in, in their family, had less of the kinds of disruptions that come. Because all of those things, by the way, are simply the transference of family loyalty to other places. But when the family table is very strong, that's really hard to do. So I tell people all the time, you have, when you have children, you have Uh, The years before adolescence you have all that time to bond your children's heart to yourself so that then when that happens, no matter what else happens in life your voice will always be the strongest ultimately and will win out. You want your kids to come home so now and you'll reap later. That's how harvesting works. I'm going to have to hurry. Okay, now John's gospel also begins with, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you the four instances in the first half of the book of John where Jesus Himself tells them what the hour means. I've already told you, the hour meant the hour of His suffering. The hour means the hour of His death. They couldn't take Him because His hour hadn't come. But Jesus, we find this expression on His lips four times in the first 12 chapters where he tells them plainly what the hour means. I'm going to give you that and, and you'll never forget it. It'll get inside of you. John 2, on the third day, when you see that phrase, it's always, it's always suggestive. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And I've been there. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, Jesus, uh, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, which offends us, but it didn't offend her. For reasons I don't have time to tell you. What does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's to me, is an odd conversation. <laughs> You're at somebody else's party. It's a wedding. The wine runs out. And mom comes and says, they got no wine. And he says, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Well, so what do we learn from that? Well, we learn that Mary is a pushy mama. Oh, every mother in here just breathed a sigh of relief. It also means that she surely, by this time in his life, had clues about what he was about. I mean, she did begin with some pretty strong prophetic words both given to her and said by her. And he says you know it's not time yet mama and then he did what she asked (laughs) but what's the deal here so then you know how the story goes John 2 verse 10 everyone serves the good wine first And when people have drunk freely the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. By the way, I've drunk the wine that they make at Cana. It ain't from Jesus. Can't get this stuff just anywhere, I'm sorry. This is the first of the signs Jesus did in Cana and Galilee and manifested His glory and His disciples believed Him. All right, so... Strange again, strange, strange. And all the time people try to go, how do you understand that? And we will be honest with you. Unless you understand your whole Bible, you'll guess at this. But if you understand your whole Bible, you have some insights. That, and, and this is why, by the way, I, <laughs> I've spent my whole life trying to understand the whole Bible. And these insights that I'm giving to you are pretty fresh in my eyes. As if to say, you've been pretty blind all your life, dude. So I'm not up here to tell you I know a lot. I'm up here to tell you like I'm still limping along and he's helping me. But catch this. What is Jesus saying? My hour has it come. What does it seem to mean? When his hour comes, he will give us the best wine. Now, a couple of things, or, or, or a couple of more like understanding things. The book of John is often divided into two divisions. The first 12 chapters being called the book of signs. There's not a big emphasis on miracles in the book of John, the emphasis is on signs. The miracles of Jesus are signs. And a sign always like, I had to follow a lot of signs to find you guys. <laughs> The the signs take you somewhere. The, The other thing is, the book of John is designed around three Passovers. And this is in the context of the first Passover. And Passover is significant in Israel because that's the time when everybody gets four cups of wine. Now those of you who know something about wine are worried. The reality is the Passover wine was diluted wine. It was mixed with water. But it was, a, it was a way of saying that the lavish riches of God that He gave to His children when they left their slavery are for all His people. You're going to all be enriched by, by, by God. And, and, the, and the Passover meal had, those, had, had four courses and four cups of wine. Now, uh, and again, John is, this is a, we understand, we believe that this is the same one that wrote the book of Revelation. And these two books, like, are you kidding me? They're mind-blowing. So catch this. He begins the gospel of John with a wedding, that is a family-making covenantal feast where he provided wine. And he ends his writing in Revelation uh, in chapter 18, Where there is a wedding supper of the Lamb. Where He provides for us everything. (laughs) Family's a big deal in the Bible. By the way, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, this is the day that you are being invited to come into the family. This is the day that you are being invited to come to the family meal and receive of the family meal. This is the day when the people of God are saying, come to the table. You can hear my voice and receive and the Holy Spirit will fill you. You can hear my voice and receive and Jesus Christ will, be, will be come into your life and you will be in the family. Are you understanding this? This is the gospel I'm speaking to you. So so number one thing you learn, when the hour of Jesus comes, he's going to provide us the best wine. Number two, John chapter 4. The hour is coming. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. This is Jesus going to the woman at the well. And he, he speaks to her. Listen, this is so magnificent. If you learn to do this, Jesus spoke to this woman about her most shameful secrets, and it brought her out of shame, not into shame. That's the anointing. Sir I perceive your prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain in Gerizim, but you say that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. There's that woman phrase again it's not an offense the hours coming when neither on this mountain gerizim or in jerusalem will you worship the father you worship what you do not know we worship what we know for salvation is from the jews but the hour verse 33 is coming and now is here When the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. By the way, the the one move that God has made magnificently among Bible-believing Christians is the restoration of true worship in their midst so that people come to church and don't sit and soak but receive. And engage. The woman said to him, I know Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he'll teach us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, am he. All right. This is the second time that Jesus speaks of the hour. Now, what's associated with the hour? When the hour comes, God's going to provide a new way to worship him. A way that is spirit and truth. Are you kidding me? I find lots of churches, by the way, that are lopsided one way or the other. You want to pursue both. You want to pursue worshiping in the spirit. You want to pursue worshiping in the truth. This is word and spirit, spirit and word. This is, this is, a, this is fully orbed worship. But listen. It doesn't come as something you accomplish. It comes as something He gives. Jesus is coming to an hour when He's going to provide this. By the way, you can't worship in spirit until the spirit is in you. And it's when the spirit comes to be in you. John 16 says He's with you and will be in you. If you're, if you're here as not a Christian, the Spirit is with you. He brought you here today. He's speaking to you. When you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, the Spirit will be in you. His life will enter you and fill you. And Jesus said to this woman, ours coming. Now look, He first spoke at a wedding with covenant Israel people. And now He's speaking to the Samaritans, those apostates. Those people who had left the covenant long centuries before, but were unforgotten and unforsaken. Then we come to John chapter 5. Y'all are getting scared now because there's a lot of chapters in this book. I'm closer to the end than you reckon. And we come to right on the cusp of the second Passover in John. So, so this does mean John is selecting the material. By the way, John is, is, is by all accounts the last of the four Gospels that's written and John is literally infilating things that were left out of the synoptics and filling them up. And don't forget when you come to John and when you study John, that John is the only Gospel writer that we know of who was an eyewitness to the crucifixion. Which no wonder he fills in with fresh information. John 5, 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and all those who hear will live. Listen, listen, in, in, in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, He said, the day you eat the fruit, you shall surely die. And when they ate the fruit, and they said what they'd been told, He said, who told you? So they listened to the voice of the liar, and they entered into death. Now Jesus is saying, the hour's going to come, and when the hour comes... That hour will be marked by those who now will hear the voice of the Son of God and live. Everybody prays for revival, right? We all pray for revival. We all like, right, we want revival, revival. You know what revival actually is? It's when God is so speaking that it's easy for people to get saved. You need to remember that you're living in a generation that has said to God, shut up, we don't want to listen to you. If you want to pray, you pray, Lord, open their eyes, open their ears. Lord, send forth your voice. In my generation, uh, when we talk about how we got saved, most of us will, we lived in kind of the saturation of where the stuff about Jesus was in the air, but most of us had never seen a real Christian. It's the way we felt about it. And then God spoke to us. And suddenly everywhere we looked were those people. And then they started talking to us, but we and we heard, but we heard his voice first. Jesus is saying to these people, the hour is coming when the voice of the Son of God, those who hear it, will live. Now I'm going to have to go fast. So so when the voice of God comes, he says, Don't marvel at this, for an hour is coming, verse uh, 28 when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out, but those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And there He pushes it out to that that last calling of the voice of God. And then we come to the third third Passover in the Gospel of John. Now why do I keep pressing the Passover? (laughs) Well, I'm going to surprise you maybe a little bit. Because you see, it was Passover. The first text I read you out of Luke was a Passover meal. And it was the Passover meal that Jesus messed with the liturgy. The regular order of how that meal went, Jesus entered into it and He put Himself in the midst of it. As we did see and will see, John 12, 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast, say the feast, were some Greeks. Now don't be surprised at that because when you read about your, um, when you read about your New Testament, one of the things you discover is that when the apostles went out preaching, especially when Paul went out preaching, he would go to synagogues all over the ancient world, and when he would arrive at synagogues, there would be Greeks in the synagogues who would who would listen. They were called God fearers. They were not converts to Israel, but they were um, connected to Israel, and they and they loved the moral code, and and they they loved the promise that was saying. Now Jesus, now he's at the feast, and some of these Greeks, which is interesting, because they don't participate in the. In the, in the liturgies of, of Israel but here they come to Jerusalem at the Passover to see what it's all about and it says so see, these came to Philip who was from Bethsaida which means he was Greek speaking in Galilee and asked him sir we would like to see Jesus and Philip went and told Andrew and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus this beautiful stuff and Jesus said, this is amazing. Like, this is amazing, folks. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat fall to the earth and it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, He must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, strangely enough, and and these things were spoken of, the second half of the book of John is often called the book of glory. Because it comes to the hour that Jesus, when he referred to that hour, it it was a time when he would be glorified. And I, when I'm lifted up, will draw all people to myself. Now, strange, get this. What is it? All along, Jesus is moving along in the world. Not my time, not my time, not my time. Here comes these Greeks at the Passover and he says, It's time. I won't pretend to understand the inner life of Jesus, and I won't pretend to understand the relationship between uh, Jesus and the Father, but I will interject something here for you to, to understand. The language of the book of John is not as covenantal as people who love covenant want it to be unless you understand covenant. Because covenant is again about family making. The God of the Old Testament is only referred to as Father 11 times, and those are metaphorical. In the book of John, (laughs) Jesus refers to him as Father 179 times. What is Jesus saying? when you move into the fulfillment of covenant, when you move into the restoration of the family, God goes from being the one whose name you cannot pronounce to the one whose name is Abba. And Jesus doesn't just call him my father, my father and your father, our father who art in heaven. Jesus comes to reveal the Father. The hour is a time when He he reveals the Father. But just to scandalize Israel with their exclusivity, He comes to reveal Father to the whole world. And this is why in the prophecy of Isaiah, He goes through that long song in chapter 40 to 55, and in that chapter, 53 chapters of that, Or about the suffering servant. And then you enter into the 54th chapter. And it's suddenly about the expanding family. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Why? Because the Gentile nations are coming into the family. And so these Gentiles are the signal from Father. That the hour has come. What hour? The hour for the Son to enter into His passion in order that He might enter into His glory because the Bible teaches us that He gave His life for us in order that He can give His life to us and He gives His life to us in order that He might live His life through us. You're the only Jesus that most of the world will ever see. Christ in you, the hope of glory. How do we make a place for them? Not by all of our efforts to avoid sin but by setting a table and inviting them to come to the table Passover meal would come and the Passover was all about those of you who are in the class you're going to get a PhD in this before we're done but it was all about deliverance From the evil powers of the gods, yes, the gods of Egypt. And now Jesus comes. How does he come? He comes as the Passover sacrifice. Or as Paul wrote, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Well, what did Jesus do when he instituted the Passover meal with his disciples? It's an interesting thing. I told you he broke the liturgy. There was no lamb at that meal. There was only the bread and the wine. And he took the bread. The one who is revealed to us by John as behold the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. He takes the bread. And he says, this is my body. This is the same one who scandalized them all in chapter 6 of John with that sermon where he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And you and I have been offended long enough at our Catholic brethren. 500 years of offense is enough for us to get over it. Because they might just have a revelation about the significance of the supper that we've laid aside because of our arrogance. Because I want you to know that if Jesus' presence can be mediated to you by the shadow of an apostle or by a handkerchief or by the laying on of hands of an apostle or prophet, then surely His presence can be mediated to you in the meal that He gave us where He said, this is me. And I'm looking for a church that comes to the table as hungry. It's the appropriate place for us to say, we're hungry for you, Lord. We're thirsty for you, the Lord. It's the appropriate place for us to say again, we need, we need to be renewed. It's the appropriate place for us to understand that instead of rededicating our lives to God, let's receive the one who dedicated his life to us. <laughs> For the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly I say to you, unless the grain of wheat fall to the earth and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Well, this is fantastical. Like it's an odd thing to say in this moment. It's as odd as what he said at the wedding. Until you think, what happens when a grain of wheat falls to the ground? It bears fruit. What happens when it bears fruit? make bread what has he been obsessed with in the gospel of John telling them to drink his blood and eat his flesh what does he do at that last table he says here's my body here's my blood (laughs) are y'all okay (laughs) John 12 27 and now is my soul troubled? What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? For this purpose, I've come to this hour. No, Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven. Yes, that same voice that thundered from Sinai 1500 years before. Yes, that same voice that spoke in his baptism, that same voice that they don't some hear and some say. Did that thunder? I I have glorified it and will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there heard it and said that it had thundered. And others said an angel had spoken to him. But Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not mine. I've already heard from all the angels I need to. Now is the judgment of this world. Now is the ruler of this world cast out. And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And then, further in John 12 and verse 36, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. And though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe him. So that's the path of it. We will, we will have this knowing this. And I just give you one more verse, and I'm done. I hope I've not kept you too long. John 13, 1. Now before the feast of Passover, this is the third Passover, when Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to depart out of the world to the Father, look what it says, having loved His own (laughs) who were in the world, He loved them to the end. During the supper, this is John's unpacking of that Passover meal. When the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper and laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, He tied it around his waist. Oh, would to God that the body of Christ would come to understand that the towel is the path of saving the world. And so, we should have the family meal now. with some trepidation that I say this I want to give you two or three things are you going to come back? no allow me to you'll just allow me to lead be, be your pastor for a minute some things about the communion to understand number one No one here is in danger of doing what the Corinthians did, because here's what it says it says if you come and take this meal in an unworthy manner, you're guilty. Now how that's been translated in the church is it says is that we've come and if we have a consciousness of our sin, then we. We don't take it. And the church has done this for a long time and tortured a lot of people about their guilt. That's not what this is about. That was about the specific sin of Corinth where they brought the bread and wine and got drunk and gorged themselves and ignored one another. We haven't got a setup where you can actually do that this morning. <laughs> but we do have a setup where you can feel. The smiting pain of your conscience upon your soul. So listen to me. I want to tell you like the elder did in the old Scottish church when the young girl on the aisle refused it, being smitten inside by her conscience for whatever reason we don't know. The elder of the church seeing the young girl, he brought the elements and he knelt at her feet. and He said, Take it, Lassie, it's for sinners. And I know charismatics are too arrogant to identify themselves that way, but we're not too pure to fail to sin. And so we come here and our conscience bothers us. So listen to me. Jesus said, those who hear His voice are clean through the words that He has spoken to them. And those of you who have received the word of Jesus are clean, not by your accomplishment, but by His. And you come to this table as a family member. With some hesitancy and not knowing your ways, I'll say to those of you who say, well, I've never made myself into the family of God. With some uh, stress about the historic church I still will say to you come to the table if you can receive him with the sinner's prayer you can receive him who offers himself to you and so let us pray Father my Father our Father holy is your name Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day true bread. We thank you that our Lord has said to us, this is my body. And now by faith in Jesus' name we receive. Church, the body of Christ is given for you. There were, there were four cups of wine, as I said. The cup that Jesus consecrated in Luke chapter 22 was the third cup. We know it because Paul says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? the third cup at that meal was the cup of blessing with one more shocking phrase I want to give you when Jesus said this is my blood drink it no covenant keeping Jew had ever consumed blood when he said those words And his disciples, I think in fear and faith, took the cup. You see, because the life is in the blood, and you don't eat the blood of animals if you're a covenant-keeping Jew, because you would be receiving that animal's life. But I am telling you that the purpose of coming to this table is to receive life. His life. He gave his life to us. This is the blood of Christ. This is the blood of the covenant. It's given for you. Hallelujah. 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 Christ is everything. Pastor, I'm unfamiliar with the, with what's next, but I know we need to pray for folk. Yeah, I do. Want, I want your, I want your team to come. Do you want them to come first or the people come first? Would you stand together, Pastor? Do you want to bring the closure?
0: Who? I think when Jesus said, you've got many teachers, but you don't have any fathers. He wasn't making a statement saying that you need more teachers than you need fathers. I think he was saying, we need to enter into this place of covenant relationship where we can father each other. We need to be able to understand this. And so it's, I'm so blessed to be in this family, not just the Jack family, but you guys are part of this family and we love you guys very much. So let's just pray right now. Father, we just say the intention of your heart be carried out this morning. That every single thing you designed through your resurrection and your shed blood, would you just pour it out, Lord God? Would you deepen our understanding of what it means to have covenant meal. Lord, I just ask right now just an impartation, an anointing for the family table that it wouldn't just be a place of sharing stories, but it'd be the place that you show up. And so just come and have your way. We just thank you for what you're doing in Alan and Gail's life. Lord God, we bless them And I speak the Father's blessing over you. The Lord bless you. The Lord has caused his face to shine upon you. You never have to work for his affection. You have it because he gives it. Now receive it, and freely as you receive, freely give it away. And we declare this right now in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's family said. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.